Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. Family God's Way, part two. Last week we talked about mainly the idea of you have to fight for your heart. We have to get good at first fighting for our hearts because we can lose our heart so many different ways in this world in relationships. Relationships have a way of emptying the heart, changing the heart, and sometimes always not for the good. And so we talked about the real need to have grace as the fundamental, the foundation that makes relationships work. Law will kill relationships. Law is performance-based only. It says hit the mark or no approval or problems for you. When it comes to grace, it doesn't do away with the need to grow. It, grace gives the capability to grow. One of the false truths is that somehow us lawbreakers can, through law, build great things. We are just naturally lawbreakers. You know that because every yellow light, you have a decision to be made. Many of you make the wrong decision at that point in time. Some of you are right at the red lights and you're making wrong decisions. Whenever there is a law that we're confronted with, there's a choice that we're confronted with. And oftentimes what happens is that we end up failing simply because of the weakness of who we really are. This doesn't diminish, though, our value before God. It doesn't diminish the treasure that we are in his eyes. It doesn't diminish uh, relationships that are based on grace so that we can look at people with the realities of the truth of us letting them down, them letting us down, which is the normal world, but we can apply something that's not normal. A gift. Uh, a gift that God himself has offered us through Jesus Christ. And that if you're a Christian, you're a Christian because you received grace. You didn't earn it. You didn't somehow achieve this uh, status. You have received grace. Your righteousness, the Bible says, is like filthy rags. More or less, your best acts are like filthy rags before God in that regards. It doesn't actually show up on the righteousness meter for God. So when it comes to our relationships, if we're going to do them God's way, grace becomes the fundamental the foundational thing. What I want to do in this series is look at things that are foundational below the skills of relationship. Oftentimes we're just paying attention to skills of relationship. Um, communication. That's a skill. You actually learn communication. Uh, that's a good thing. But there is what is behind that communication becomes the most important thing to building the intimate, close, clean, strong, enduring relationships. Here's one thing that's common about relationships. They all fail in many different ways. They fail weekly. They may fail daily. These ideas that if you were to put up the model of the perfect relationship between brother and sister or sister and sister or brother and brother or child and parent or between parents or husband and wife or extend the family, you're going to find that every time there's a shortcoming in that and it's on a regular basis. 
You can't deal with that on performance to say, you know, I am going to give you my approval, my acceptance. I'm going to let you into my heart. That when, when your performance hits an acceptable level by my standard. We talked about that being really a form of judgment that Jesus spoke directly against and said, you're in the wrong place. You offer grace. What is grace? Ignoring wrongs? No, grace is given the ability so that things can really change. So that communication gets gut level honest. That we don't hide as Adam and Eve did. That we come together in a spirit that says, hey, I've blown it. I own it. And in, in that kind of, of commodity, we are able to build an intimacy based on acceptance as far deeper than the pressure of the perfect world. By the way, this goes into parenting a lot. We will talk a little bit about that today, but mainly in weeks ahead a little bit. When it comes to parenting, often it is something we're trying to work out our own, uh, can we say, resume of perfection rather than actually concentrating on understanding that law is not going to just build the nature or character of your kid. You have to actually be doing that within grace. Grace is not ignoring wrongs. Grace is not making wrongs the thermometer of the relationship. Grace is allowing the relationship to heal. Grace is allowing that person to grow in a natural state that it can when there's that kind of love. So what we're talking about in this series is not so much just the skills of relationship. We're talking about the heart of relationship. Family, God's way. You know, if somebody were to ask you, what is your aim in life? I kind of wonder what you'd answer to that question. Some of you might say, my aim in life is just to be happy. My aim in life is just to be successful. My aim in life is to find somebody to love who will love me. My aim in life is pleasure. My aim in life is to be comfortable. My aim in life is, well, whatever you put in that blank there. That becomes your dominant life principle. If you get that wrong, then what's going to happen is that everything around you must come in to, can we say, that, that support of that principle. You've got this dominant life principle, whether you realize it or not. It's, it's in the back of your mind all the time. It's at the base of every decision. If, for instance, if my dominant life principle is fun, then what I am choosing between two events, I'm going to naturally choose the one that's more fun. That's just the way it's going to work. If my dominant life principle is comfort, then I'm going to tend in life to do the comfortable thing. If my dominant life principle is recognition, I will try to do the things that get me the most recognition. If my dominant life principle is safety, I'm going to try to do the things that have the least risk in them. Does that make sense? It's at the base. It controls how you process information and make decisions because you have this predetermined outcome that you wish to achieve. In relationships, this is a huge uh, problem. Because you take some of those dominant life principles into relationships and you can cause a lot of destruction. Largely not because any of those things that we list are wrong. It's not that fun is outside the margins. No, it's not that at all. It's that that is the dominant thing. We're not aware of one other key 
very strong principle that as Christians, we need to be very much aware of. I'm going to introduce you today to the value of the soul. In behind great relationships are healthy souls. Where your relationship struggles, you can only really meet adequately those struggles and those challenges out of your soul. I'm going to use a little whiteboard uh, illustration here. If we think about this in the sense of like, if, if you were a, 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 took a look at your life as having two uh, managers in your life, now, let's say you, you're, you're, it's, it's a, you're, you have a, you're a business person, and you've got, you've got these two kind of managers in your life. One is the body. And the body is that which sets up shop and it must be served. It's, it's, it's a little corner, little corner store. It's just this, this small little entity of a business that it has its drives, its needs, it, it, it has its goals, its strategies. It, it wants what it wants and it, and, and it wants the profit for itself. It, it, it's the idea of saying my body needs this and your body needs these things. Um, how I would balance this out with the scriptures most of you would be aware of is, is when it is, talks about saying, you know, that money, many people say money is the root of all evil. How many know that that is not in the Bible? Do you know that that's not in the Bible? It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Now all of you that have money just took a sigh of relief. <sighs> You see, it really is the love of money and you don't even have to have money to have a love for money. Love for money is this thing that I am taking something else, not the body management. So if I was to say over here, you've got a steward, a manager that's saying, I'm doing this little mom and pop shop thing over here and I've got the needs and I'm gonna focus on profit here. I want profit here. But then there's another manager life that so many of us are out of touch with. We don't comprehend what we've got here. And that manager over here is your soul. And it's the big business. I mean, it's so much bigger. That body one is really this lifespan. It needs certain things and it has to be served and you should look after it. You should make sure that the needs of the body are looked after, including it, the economics, all of that kind of stuff. Jesus never says anything about that. He only talks about the love of these things because when it goes into love, now it's leaving this manager and the word love is coming over to this manager. Your soul. This is the big business. This is the one that's in touch with eternal things. Heaven, hell, realities. Uh, the, the eternal part of your life. The, the aspect of living forever. Jesus wasn't shy about this subject. In fact, it's the very reason that he died is to make an eternal family through his grace that would deal with sin. And so we find over here in the soul, this big world is where your life is really going to be determined from. The Bible says that it's out of the heart, the, that the issues of the heart that you're going to be living out, you know, life. And so the heart is something that we would say is the same thing as your soul, the soul. 
Now there's a cool little story that Jesus told and it's found in Mark. And uh, it, I'm just gonna, well, one phrase he says first is Mark 8, 36. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? There are the two managers. Right in that one, one verse, two managers. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world? That's this, this world, the temporal world, the body. The temporal world. You got everything you actually wanted. You, you, you did, you got it all. He's saying, what good would it be if you actually gain the whole world, but you lose this? He's saying, what if you get your profit over here and he's not fighting that profit. He's not saying these things don't have value. He's saying they just have temporal value. He's not saying you don't need these things. He's saying, in fact, if you'll seek me first, that's what the soul does. All these other things will be added unto you. Relationships are often being driven by this and we wonder why they keep emptying out. Why they stall. Why they don't grow. It's because this little business, it just wants its little profit. I want my comfort, but it's applied through this manager. So this manager's in charge of it. Once that manager alone is in charge, you're going to sell out cheap. We all have sold out cheap. You sell out cheap. See, many people have gone bankrupt through just inattention to their books. They, they just haven't taken care of, of looking at their, their debts and their credits and they haven't kept a close eye on those things and they've just kind of turned a blind eye to it and then they end up in a situation where often they have to then, okay, we're hitting the wall. And they go bankrupt. In that case, it's a great illustration that says that you got to pay attention to the things that are going to matter. These two shops, one ruled by the body, one ruled by the soul. The soul is a spiritual being. That's your biggest part. It's the eternal part of you. You've been created in the image of God, it says. That means that you have been created with eternity in your heart, literally. You have been created for eternity. And so when we take a look at the soul, this is the spiritual part of us. And it is for eternity. And the other one is just simply for the time here and now. Not saying we don't need these things. But they are not what life consists of. And when we err in that, and the wrong manager's in charge of the whole shop, the soul, the richness, the health, the beauty, the possibilities, the great potentials that God put into your creative model are not possible. When you're in a relationship, if it is coming out of your soul and your soul stays in touch, you have fought for your heart. You didn't let 
bitterness grab it. You didn't let yourself move back into the shadows and hide. You stayed engaged and you kept working through the pain and you kept pushing on because of real love. You're going to find that you will have a different kind of fruit that will be consistent throughout your life, no matter the ups and downs. Let's talk a little bit about this idea of the value of the soul. I don't think we really grab it. You know, I don't think we understand, for instance, that this is the very thing that Satan is after and that God is after. God seeks you out. He calls to your heart. Satan seeks to entrap you and hold you and to turn a deaf ear and a blind eye towards God and his call. You are one that, that, that has this valuable soul that he wants to hang on to. Now the value of the soul, just think about it. We have God seeking it, sending his son. He, Jesus said that he was sent to seek and to save those who were lost. That's value. Your soul, if you were to take 10,000 worlds and add up all the, the, the precious minerals in those worlds, they couldn't get close to buying your soul. The value of your soul far exceed creation itself. It is the thing of creation that matters the most. It is the pinnacle, the everlasting, the eternal part that God put as the seeds of his eternal family. Your soul. If you were to take every drop in the ocean and turn it to gold, you wouldn't have enough to purchase to equal the value of your soul. Satan isn't after kingdoms. He's not after those things at all. If he was, that's a pretty easy grab. He's not after those things. By the way, God isn't after kingdoms. He's not out there to, to, to own kingdoms. He's, his call isn't out like that. It is about the human soul. Yours. That value is set. So much is this set for you. That nothing you do, we sung about it today, we saw it on a video today, nothing that you do excludes you from that return to him. The door's open. God seeks you out. God calls you. God persists with you. The value of the human soul you, if you get in touch with that, how does that help me and my family? Now you start to look at family a little bit differently. Now I'm not looking at family just from the aspect of kids in my house, a wife next to me, a husband with me. We're not looking at things just as persons. We see the value of their soul. Oftentimes, even in parenting, and I'll start with this just a little bit today on that to get you thinking about this. But oftentimes, we're only trying to use this manager to develop our children so that they're ready for this world, so that they are well-educated, so that they are 
affirmed in their gifts and their talents so that we give them every opportunity. We do this and we pour attention into their physical development, their mental development, their emotional development, and then we don't even really think about them as a soul. That the most important thing about your child is a fact that God made them in his image. That they have a soul that is far more valuable than all of creation itself. How does that change the way that you would approach The other manager says, pay attention to the development of their heart. Pay attention to their soul. Just to reemphasize this a little bit, let's take a look at a parable that Jesus told. It's found in Luke chapter 12 and verse, verse 16, and it starts with this. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a, a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. He's answering right now this question. What is my aim in life? What is my aim in life? And so he says, what am I going to do? I have no place to store my crops. And he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Let me ask you a quick question. Which manager's in charge? This one. I'll tear down the barns I got. I'll build bigger barns. And then I'll have more for myself. Because look at what else he says. Now he answers more specifically what his aim in life is. And it goes on and it says, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. If that is not the current mantra, I don't know what else is. Let's just build an enough storehouse that we can eat, drink, and be merry. Let's just get to this place in life where this thing is totally so provided for, I can sit back and just take it easy. Here's, here's the strange thing about how we're wired. Here's the strange thing. The more that you give yourself to that, the more anxiety you will feel over this. Because it has become your life. And now you're not just losing some possessions or losing some grain or losing a barn, you're losing you. That manager has to be kept to just the management of that temporal so that that temporal houses the most important business, the business of your eternal soul. The story goes on to affirm this. Jesus tells it and he says, yeah, he's saying let's just take it easy now. But God said to him, you fool. Well, it is foolish. It's fool to have this huge valuable part and to neglect and ignore it and to give everything into the preservation of something temporal that you can lose at any time and will lose one day anyway. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you, des what you have prepared. Uh, get, I'm sorry, then, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Well, it just 
passes on. More or less, you can't take it with you. You've wasted your life on a temporal model. You have given it all to the service of the body. Not saying that the body doesn't need these things, but it can never replace the soul. It's not the valuable thing. The valuable thing is that eternity that God has put in your soul. What a gift the soul is. What a gift. What a powerful thought it becomes. When we look at this as a profit and loss model, he's, that's what he's doing. Jesus is saying, here's a profit loss model. This man profited big time over here. He was doing great. He doesn't fault him for that. That's not what got this guy in trouble was having great crops. God bless him. What he's faulting him for is that everything about those crops was there to serve only this. And he said, you're nuts. Because this very night, your soul is going to be required of you. It's going to be measured. This is your life. I know about you, it's a little sobering, but it's also exciting. Because if we can start to actually look at each other within our family units as souls, I think the respect goes up when we give the high value of this isn't just my wife, Linda. She's an eternal creation of God with an eternal soul. And I get to play into that world and she's serving me out of that too. We're building something in our kids. We've been, we've been graced with these kids with souls from God. We get to nurture that journey for them. First by living them out. We become the models. Models of grace. What a great story Jesus told on that. You know, when it comes to the soul, many of us don't really get a hold of that incredible, beautiful value that you have. Have you ever noticed that the more you give yourself to the securing of what the body desires and what this manager calls to you every day for, the less your soul can thrive? And it seems to actually make you emptier. All that's going on, it's not, it's not that this, this manager, in fact, it's doing what it's going to do. It just wants to make sure the body's looked after. But when we use that as our life and we ignore this, it empties us. It literally empties us. So what do you do? How do we begin to actually practice this in our families? How do we take this idea, this teaching, this creation model of being a soul, an eternal soul, and apply that into our communications? Well, if you start to see the value of the people next to you, by the way, isn't it funny that that usually doesn't happen until tragedy hits? Have you ever noticed that? You almost lose somebody, right? And then it's like, oh man, I didn't know how much they meant to me. Or you did lose somebody. And it's just wrecked your heart. And you just wish you could have one more day with them. When before that, it was just kind of a numb existence. The human soul is where the joys the great, uh, can we say, fruits of life 
are going to be built out of, but not without pain, not without struggle. So how do we go about this in families? Well, let's change the word a little bit now to love. Because we understand that word somewhat. But just take the word love now and let's put it under the rule of the body. Now you get today's culture. You want to understand today's culture? It's really simple. Just make this the supreme leader of words like love. And it will define for you what that is. And that'll be your own need meeting. They need to do this for me. Be this for me. Treat me this way. They need to... But now make the soul the one in charge of the big part of that journey. Not that this one doesn't have needs. But this is where the big world of that relationship is being emerging. It's being, it's growing. It's happening. That particular love under the management of your soul causes you to pay attention to your inner world and to what you ascribe value to. And now you want to actually not just look at the world from the core out, but you're willing to look at other people's world to what their needs are. Let me give you a few things on love. First off, out of 1 Corinthians 13, we are going to quickly, quickly go through this part. And let's talk about the absolute priorities of love. That if you're going to have love, you got, you got to have this. The absolute value of love. Here's what it is. Without it, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. All that I say is going to be ineffective. Without love. If you don't have love and love under this manager, if you don't have love, if you're not looking after the big business of life, then everything you say is ineffective. Verse one says, I may speak in different languages of people or even angels, but if I do not have love, I'm only a noisy bell or a crashing cymbal. Next, without love, all that I know is incomplete. Verse two in the first part of it says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, but have not love, I am nothing. Three, without love, all that I believe is insufficient. I may have faith so great I can move mountains, but even with this, if I do not have love, then I am nothing. Next, all that I give is insignificant. If I give away all my possessions, but do not have love, I gain nothing. What's he saying? It, It... If this is not a part of what I'm building in relationships, and relationships are just about this, there's a huge life expectancy on these relationships. Because your words get to a point where they don't matter anymore. The person just, I don't want to hear it anymore. Or what you do has no more credibility. And you wonder why that happened. Right here. This management. You didn't look after the big business. Because you didn't look after your soul. It's the soul that's the big deal. And then finally, it says, and all that I accomplish is inadequate. Is inadequate. 
And if I were burned alive for preaching the gospel but didn't love others, it would be of no value whatsoever. It's powerful when you just pause for a minute. Alexander the Great was a man of great ambition. Huge ambition. In fact, it was, it was beyond being over the top. This was like over the top, 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 top. This was way out there. You know, you know the history probably of this, of this man. I mean, he just he conquered nation upon nation upon nation. He even got to India. I mean, we're talking about a man that, that known world, he literally conquered the whole deal. Took out, took out powerful armies and kings. This guy's ambition knew no end. And at the end, when he said this, this man, he's at the end, he's, he, he, he makes a statement and he's weeping when he says this because he's, he's now accomplished all of this. And he weeps. Be- Why? For what reason? I just want one more world to conquer. Man, that's a thirst that doesn't go away then. See, the fact is, love is the commodity that satisfies the soul and satisfies relationships. But love is not something that can be under just the management of this person of your body. You can't manage it only from your body and treat it that way because it will shallow out and lose all of its effectiveness. You want to have an enduring, long-lasting, deep relationships with your, with your family? Then you've got to have this manager of your own soul. You're fighting for your own heart. You're building a rich soul. You are not like that man at just said, hey, I got an answer for this. I'm going to build more barns and fill them, which was not the problem. The problem was that now I can just take it easy. My body's looked after. That view of life steals life. And remember who's behind these views. The enemy wants the soul. Christ died for the soul. So let's talk a little bit more about love. Let's talk about the very practice of love. 1 John 3.18 says, let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. So we could say that love is an action and a choice. That's what love is. It's choice and action. You say, wait, you shoot. Yes. You, in fact, the more mature your love, the more it's based on choice than any kind of emotion. The emotions will always follow choice. You never want emotions leading all of your choices. At best, keep it neck and neck. But you make decisions of love. That's why Jesus said, I command this of you. Love one another. You can't command a feeling. I can't say to you, feel this way. But we can command choice. And then comes the actions to carry it through. Here are some of the ways, just to give you some ideas of how this can work in your current relationship, in your relational world with your kids, with your wife, your husband, with extended family, because this is about family God's way. Maybe your church family too. How do you really love others then? And love God then? Well, 
Real love serves. It serves. When it comes from the soul, it serves. It serves. It doesn't serve without this love. It serves because it loves. You know, that is the most challenging points of any relationship is to stay in serving the person that you're in relationship to when they are using you or abused you or they've hurt you or they've disappointed you. How do you do that? How do you do that? You must make it a choice. It must be a choice. And then you must match it with action because choices don't matter without action. And you say, but it's so unfair. Since when are you living out life on a fairness scale? Now you're back to performance. This will only be fair if you're doing this and meeting this and then you're hitting my model and I can let you in my heart on this. Good luck. That other manager will take over. In fact, he already has. Real love sustains. Sustains us. It says love knows no limit to its endurance, no end to its trust, no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. Love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13 again. More or less it's saying, when is the choice? When you get into the serious business of taking your biggest business that you've got, which is your eternal soul, and applying it to your relationships, and it's the biggest part, God will look after the other part. This will come along with it. This is what needs to lead the way. And when it does, then you're going to find that you will have a sustained relationship. It will go through the rocky times. It will climb to the heights. It will take you down through the valleys. It's going to carry you because it's, it is relationship God's way. It's family God's way. Real love also sacrifices. Live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a sweet offering and sacrifice to God. It says in Ephesians also, it says to husbands, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Wow. He commanded us to do that. That kind of love has to come out of your soul and it can't be subject to the conditions of the body first being met and once all these needs are met then I'll do it. No, the soul practices this out of your strength of God in your life. The soul is that eternal part. It's your eternal spirit. The soul is the part where you are in a place where you are living life with God's energy and God's strength. You can't find grace anywhere else. There are times that you try and find it. You're, there's a limit to your grace. Here's the great thing about grace. And with this, I start drawing it to a close for you. Grace has this powerful thing when we are determined to give it that's when it's best healing powers released in us when we fight giving it that's when we're holding up our own healing oh relationships God's way oh let's see Jesus gave his life 
Holy Spirit resides in the heart of the believers in Christ. The Father, the Father is there to always receive us home and puts the call out to us. It says, wayward child, come on home, come on. Imagine the prodigal son take grace out of the picture, put in performance. What's the first questions and how does that reunion change? Well, it goes more to the son's view. And the son's view is really interesting. I'm not worthy anymore to be called your son. So make me a servant because they're way better off than where I was. Father didn't even hear or respond to this. In fact, he called the servants to serve the son. Bring me a robe. Bring me a ring. Get some new footwear for him. Go kill the fatted calf. There's a party coming. You know the funny thing about that whole story? If you read on, you're going to find the elder son story. And the elder son is a, is a son that didn't have grace. No, it was all performance. He did not celebrate his younger son coming home. And he, he had been, written him off. He was done. And he comes back and he hears music and he hears laughter and he hears about a party going on inside and that the fatted calf has been killed which was being fattened for special occasions which he probably had some intentions on and he hears all of this and he stays outside the house. He wouldn't go in. He wouldn't go find the young. He wouldn't even go up the doorstep. He didn't even enter the door frame. He stayed outside. He had a soul problem. The father goes outside and he pleads with him. He's saying, son, this, this brother of yours, he was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. Don't you get it? Come on in. Come on in. He was saying, let's be a family of grace. Come on, son. Oh, dad, dad, I have been faithful to this farm. I have got my duties done. I never left you in a hilt. I never put you in a tough situation. I was there for you all along. And this son comes back and he had you kill the fatted calf, throw this great big party. Are you kidding me, dad? Ladies, do not marry that man. Do you understand why? Because you'll never be good enough and you wrong them once. You can't be in relationship like that. So your family might need just a great dose of grace, but what it needs more than anything is that grace is coming through your soul, that your manager's intact here and you're doing the big business of this world, which is preparing for eternity, which is living out the eternal creation that you are. You, death is not gonna be some wonder where you leave behind everything you worked for. You instead are looking forward to everything you worked for and served God and served others for, that he rewards those things and that he is gonna receive 
receive you home and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant because you put it together on the basis of a love that comes out of a soul that you understand was the most important gift you've ever received, has more value than anything else in the universe. There's nothing that can match it. All of the big players are after it. Satan would love to hold it and keep it and keep your in losing life and life every day. Jesus says, I come that you might have life in more abundance. I want you to live to the full. And he wants to fill you with life now in your relationships today. But it can't happen through performance and law. It must happen through first grace, which makes performance possible to really change. So when you are caught in the thick of family relationship struggles, Keep these managers in their right place. Because out of that, true love, not some fairy tale kiss, true love, choice and action that puts us into these connections that you can't even really explain the depth, the sense that you have of togetherness families will always go through these struggles make sure you're wise and do family God's way let me give you one final story in closing it's an old English story from England a couple hundred years ago it's an anecdote kind of believe it to be true here. There was a minister going across some fields and he met a countryman and said to him, well, friend, it is a most delightful day. Yes, sir, it is. And having spoken to him about the beauties of the scenery and so forth, he said, how thankful we ought to be for our mercies. I hope you never come out without praying, the minister said. Pray, sir, said he. Why, I never pray. I've got nothing to pray for. What a strange man, said the minister. Does your wife pray? Well, if she likes. Don't your children pray? If they like, they do. Well, you mean you say you do not pray, said the minister. Now, I will give you half a crown, English money, if you will promise me not to pray as long as you live. Oh, very well, said the man. I don't see what I have got to pray for. And he took the half crown. When he went home, the thought struck him. What have I done? And something said to him, well, John, you will die soon and you will need to pray then. You will have to stand before your judge and it will be a sad thing not to have prayed. Thoughts of this kind came over him and he felt dreadfully miserable. And the more he thought, the more miserable he felt. His wife asked him what was the matter. He could hardly tell her for some time, but at last he confessed he had taken half a crown never to pray again, and that was preying on his mind. The poor, ignorant soul thought it was the evil one that had appeared to him. Aye, John, she said, sure enough, it was the devil, and you have sold your soul to him for half a crown. The poor creature... This man could not work for several days and he became perfectly miserable from the conviction that he had sold himself to the evil one. 
However, the minister knew what he was about. And there was a barn close by. And he was going to preach there. He guessed the man would be there to ease his terror of mind. And sure enough, he was there one Sabbath evening. And he heard the same man who gave him the half ground take for his text these words. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Aye, said he. What will it profit a man who sold his soul for half a crown? Up gets the man crying out, Sir, take it back. Take it back. Why, said the minister, you want the half crown and you said you did not need to pray. But sir, he said, I must pray. If I do not pray, I am lost. And after some testing by parlaying, the half crown was returned. And the man was on his knees praying to God. And it came to pass that that very circumstance was the means of saving his soul and making him a changed man. Old English story illustrating these two managers where he only lived for the one management style, willing to sell out the big things for half a crown. Don't sell out your relationships with people like that. Don't treat them in such a devaluing way. Value their souls, value your own. And certainly value God and value the gift of your own soul and make sure that your own soul is in harmony with God because of Jesus Christ and you will find that is the strongest foundation to live every relationship out in your life it will go to your soul would you stand with me please Fathers, we bow our heads. We're just so grateful for how you've created us and made us. It astounds us to think of ourselves this way. We don't think of ourselves first necessarily in this way. Uh, when we ask what is really the aim of our life, oftentimes it's just the body and control of that particular statement. Well, the aim of my life is this form of success. And Father, you know our hearts where we've sold out cheap on these things. And, and Father, you know where in our relationships we've chosen to hide uh, and we've not wanted to come out and because of Lord that's where the soul management takes over and we have to own things and we have to cleanse things and we have to make hard choices and we have to take tough actions and we have to count ourselves Lord in a way that says I want to put my best in Lord we need to become people of great love but not some passionate love subject to only body management but a love that grows throughout all time that continues to deepen in every relationship because the right manager our soul is in charge and our soul God is first responsive to you we finish with these words Lord when you were asked what is the two greatest commandments you answered very very easily you said the first is love God with all our heart soul mind strength and then you said love your neighbor as yourself Lord we need to get one before two and for many of us in this room, I pray there'd be decisions made. God, I have so ignored the love of you and the love of others. I have made the body the manager of those things rather than that soul that you've given me. Change my heart. Heal my heart. 
bring me to a place of new beginnings with you and Lord with all of the people in my family I want to do family your way in God's name we pray amen Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.